welcome. I'm your host, Mary Kate Eaton, Executive Director for Education Programs and Chief of Staff for the Community Partnerships Division at Providence. As a reminder, the information provided during this event is for informational purposes only. If you have any medical questions, please reach out to your primary care or health professional. Today, we'll talk about the University of Providence's Health Justice Certificate Program. The study of health justice introduces students to the concepts that build and surround medical legal partnerships. In this program, coursework includes discussion of legal remedies for social determinants of health and other health inequities and health disparities by improving cross-discipline communication, identification of policy change to improve population health, and serve the poor and vulnerable in order to achieve social justice. So joining me during this live event are Zaida Rivera, who serves as Immigration Clinic Director for Gonzaga University School of Law and an advisory board member with the Health Justice Program, and Tracy Rooks, adjunct faculty within the MHA, MHA Program and Program Coordinator for the Health Justice Certificate at Providence. So, Tracy and Zaida, can you tell a little bit about how this program was developed and how it fits into the healthcare space? Absolutely. Thanks so much for having us, Mary-Kate. So I became interested in medical legal partnerships back in 2014 when I was a compliance officer for a critical access hospital. And I wanted to get more legal remedies available for our rural patients. And when I came over to Providence and started teaching for the MHA program, we very quickly started developing this health justice certificate because it was such a relevant topic and so much in need of these services. And part of that was bringing on amazing advisory board members like Zyda who have the real world experience uh, to bring that to our students. Absolutely. And I, um, you know, this program has been really um, great. And I, I learned about the medical legal partnership when I was working in New York previously. And it was just such an interesting concept to uh, provide holistic services to a patient client and who's dealing with not only medical issues, but of course, somehow there's always other issues that they're dealing with. So I think this um, health certificate is a great way for individuals to learn more about those issues and challenges that a lot of our community members face um, when they're patients and our clients as well. Thank you both. So Zaida, tell us more about your background and how you got involved with the Health Justice Advisory Board. Sure. And again, thank you, Mary Kate, for the invitation to be here today. Um, it's a it's a pleasure to be here. And yes, yeah, so I am an immigration practitioner. I've uh, been practicing immigration law for almost nine years, um, primarily here in the state of Washington. But I also spent two years in New York and New Jersey. Um, and I've mostly done family based immigration and um, deportation defense. And so um, I was very excited when Tracy, excuse me, Professor Brooks reached out to me about the program and the health uh, justice certificate and potentially serving as a advisory board member um, through my experience with immigration. I was, I was, you know, very excited and I said, yes, I'm happy to be part of it. And just like I mentioned, learning 
about the program um, has been really great because I think it's another way for our community to get additional services. Um, and so I am an immigrant myself and I, you know, have a lived experience of what um, immigrants face and and also the barriers they face in the health justice system or the health services. And so it's really great for me to be involved and provide my legal expertise as an immigration practitioner, but also bring in kind of that cultural competency of being an immigrant myself and working with our immigrant community. Thanks so much, Saida. So Tracy, kind of another perspective, as someone who works for Providence on the legal side, how have you seen this field grow? Yes, Medical Legal Partnership has expanded across the country. It started on um, the eastern side of the country and has moved westward as some of our um, healthcare trends tend to do, but there are hundreds of medical legal partnerships all over the country. But even with that growth, unfortunately, that hasn't kept up with the exponential need with our patients. So that's part of why we developed this program is to bring the awareness to students, our healthcare leaders, leaders in the legal field, and bring that awareness so that we can begin to close that gap between the services that are currently available and meeting the needs of our patient clients like Zaida talked about. Thanks, Tracy. So Zaida, you mentioned your, your background. Um, as an immigration attorney, you've seen firsthand the struggles that immigrants can face in regards to legal representation. Can you explain how the medical legal partnership um, would benefit this population? Absolutely. So I, the way that I see the, and what I've learned about the medical legal partnership is that it's another resource for our immigrant community to obtain um, information and maybe not legal representation, but at least get an intake, figure out what their situation is and, and what potential avenues they have. And um, immigration system is very complicated. It's They say it's second most complicated to the tax code just because there's so many different um, statutes, policies, case law that we have to look into. And, um, you know, every case is different and every person's situation is different their outcomes might be different. And so I think the medical legal partnership is a great opportunity for individuals who have some sort of immigration issue to be able to address that um, while being a patient and you know getting the assistance they need for their, their medical conditions, but maybe they also have other issues. And typically, as we know, people in poverty and people, um, you know, a lot of times we find that people who have immigration issues also have other issues, right? Because someone who doesn't have uh, immigration status then might lose their job. Therefore, they might lose their housing. You know, they might not have uh, food. And so there's just an array of issues that come along with immigration status. And so the Medical Legal Partnership, I think, really helps to address their, their concern about their immigration status and seeing what... Um, what the attorneys through the program can do to help them assess any eligibility they might have for immigration status, refer them to organizations that might be able to provide us assistance and also navigate, help them navigate through the, um, 
the health system in terms of what benefits they would be eligible for, um, for example, as an undocumented person um, who is seeking medical assistance, but they don't have any insurance, right, and are eligible for uh, public benefits because of their immigration status. So I really think that the Medical Legal Partnership is a great avenue for individuals to get access to legal resources, which I think is such a huge issue, especially like Professor Rooks was saying, um, individuals in rural areas that are farther away from the cities, farther away from the firms and the big organizations that are available to help people. And so um, if there can be some sort of way that they can get that service through the medical legal partnership and refer them or do either a phone consultation or virtual that, you know, is now a, uh, definitely very doable, um, it would be really great for them to be able to discuss their immigration issues and see if there's any um, relief for them available. Thank you, Zayda. Zayda, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Um, so next up, the, the next question is for both of you. So obviously, COVID-19 has been a huge part of our daily lives over the past couple of years. And I'm wondering, where does health justice fit into the pandemic and why is it important? Sure. Um, so I'll go first on that one. <laughs> um, what we've seen throughout COVID-19 is really highlighting the gaps that were there within the legal system and within the healthcare system and the people who fall through those gaps. So what we've done with the health justice uh, certificate is we've tried to develop a program that not only highlights those gaps, but focuses on how can we find solutions? How can we close those gaps? Are there some grassroots uh, legislative initiatives that we could initiate? For example, um, the Medical Legal Partnership at Seattle Children's, they were noticing that um, infant mortality was very often tied to sleep disorders. But in the state of Washington, sleep studies for children under a year old were not covered by Medicaid. And it was a, a big population within the Medicaid population that was experiencing these, um, unfortunately, infant deaths. So Seattle Children's worked to get sleep studies covered under Medicaid for children in Washington state under 12 months of age. So those are the kind of things that we see it as a gap and we want to work with different partners and the legal system, um, the legislative branch, or uh, like Zaid is talking about actually in the courtroom for immigration court um, to find a solution and to work for those better health outcomes. So um, speaking very broadly, that's kind of how health justice has been in the news really has been a really relevant topic throughout the pandemic. So we know where the gaps are. Now we want to focus through this program on closing those gaps, finding solutions at a either a community level, a state level, or even a federal level. Students can uh, choose to scale their project, their portfolio project across the program, however big or small they want, identify the partners that they want to work with, and really map out a plan for how they're going to achieve that improved patient outcome. So um, yeah, Zaida? Yeah, absolutely. I think that in, in terms of, of 
my work in the immigration context and um, how COVID has affected individuals, you know, I think as we can talk about a little bit more later, there's definitely sometimes with an uh, undocumented community, there's fear, right, of accessing hospitals and going to the doctor and more so because there's distrust in the systems, right, in the government systems. And sometimes people will equate um, the hospitals as government, right? And so they might be afraid because they might think, oh, are they gonna report me to immigration officials? And so people are afraid to, to go seek help. And especially in the COVID context, people might be afraid to go get tested, right? Or go get vaccinated because they might think it might affect um, their status or they might get into trouble somehow. And I think that there's a lot of education that needs to be done around that, um, informing people that no, the hospital is not necessarily, you know, part of ICE or like the government and they're not gonna report you. Um, and so I think that's where the health justice project certificate, excuse me, comes into play where there's a lot of education about um, the intersectionality between the healthcare system and immigration and um, what barriers people are facing when trying to access um, the, the hospital's healthcare providers um, in this context. So I, I do think that it has, um, as Professor Rooks mentioned, just kind of uh, made it more clear that there's this huge gap in who's being served. And, you know, I do see there's a lot of commercials and radio ads about like, go get vaccinated and it's free and it's, you know, you can go to community centers, which is great. But I also think in a bigger context, it still kind of um, exemplifies that there's a huge gap. And especially with the undocumented community who are afraid to go seek assistance because of their immigration status. Thank you. So we've heard about how it can help benefit um, some of the populations we serve. I'm wondering, Tracy, can you speak to why the program is unique and what students gain out of completing the certificate? Sure. So this is the first program of its kind in the country. Um, normally, uh, the idea of health justice is taught as a cohort at the doctorate level between medical students and law students sitting in the same classroom together and learning together. But what we've done is we've brought that to the master's level and brought it to really more of the frontline workers, the boots on the ground, the people who are interacting with the patients and the clients uh, every day, sometimes behind the scenes trying to figure out um, if they can afford their medications or if they're able to afford their food and working with the different members of the team to get the patients the resources that they need to have a better health outcome. So it's unique because we're bringing it to that level and we're not only focusing on medical legal partnerships, we're also looking at uh, developing students' leadership qualities. We're looking at social epidemiology. We're doing um, a study of population health. So we're really trying to make it uh, holistic as uh, Zyder was saying, and trying to really prepare the students to go out and look at the patient as more than just a diagnosis. Um, on the legal side, look at their client as more than just a cause of action or how they're going to pursue a certain legal remedy, that we want to step back and we want to look at the person as a whole and their circumstances as a whole and how that fits into 
society as well. So it's, I'm a little bit biased because I developed the program. So I think it's uh, really great and can serve a lot of a lot of different people in a lot of different fields with public health, um, anyone working in the legislature, uh, paralegal students, lawyers, doctors, uh, social work, psychology. Uh, it really just runs across lots of different disciplines and I'm excited for the students that we're gonna be having in the spring. Thank you, Tracy. Absolutely, and if I can just chime in, I think that, mm -hmm. um, you know, as as Professor Brooks was saying, it being the first of its kind, it's also very exciting for us to be part of the advisory board and just helping it shape or, you know, figuring out what uh, the best course of action or the best way to, um, you know, teach about this, the different topics. And even for myself, being a practitioner, it was really great learning about um, other disciplines and how, you know, learning about the health care system myself and not, you know, and also learning about uh, medical school versus law school and something that, you know, is, is part of um, the book that is assigned and, and learning how there's so many different areas that are inter intersect with the healthcare system. And so I think it's very interesting, even for a professional um, going into this process. And so, um, you know, I think it's it will serve people um, really well. Thank you both. So Zaida, since you, you brought it up, what advice would you give anyone interested in entering into the field of law? Sure. Um, I mean, I think that someone who is interested in a field of law, uh, well, there's two different ways. Like if you're interested in applying or going to law school, I think it's really important to kind of get exposure to the practice and, and the area that you're sort of interested in by volunteering, by doing internships to figure out, like, is this something that I want to do? Um, and someone who's, you know, graduated and ready to, to start their, their practice, I mean, I really think it's important for them to remember that there's so much uh, need out there and that they can do pro bono work. And um, regardless of their going into corporate law, right, big, um, big firm or even government, right? I mean, I think there's a lot that people can, can do to help um, people who are underrepresented, underserved in our communities and um, I mean, my my career has been in public in the public sector um, throughout my practice, and so I'm kind of biased a little bit. And I really enjoy doing the pro bono work and helping our community. But I think that anyone, regardless of where you're, you want to practice and what area of law you want to practice, there's always room and uh, opportunity to help. Um, you know, organizations to help directly to volunteer um, your time and 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 helping the um, underserved and um, unrepresented communities um, in the system. Thanks, Ida. So um, let's see, Tracy. I'm wondering what are the requirements to apply to the certificate program? A bachelor's degree. So if you have a bachelor's degree, you can apply online. Um, and part of that is official transcripts, a resume, and the application fee. So this program pairs really well with the Master of Healthcare Administration. Uh, we have students who will um, 
enter the certificate program before the MHA or they'll come back after their MHA and um, get a little bit more specialized training in health justice. Uh, recently, we've had students who were, uh, like Zyda mentioned, preparing to go to law school and wanted to get um, kind of some advanced knowledge on that specializing between the medical and legal fields. But yeah, bachelor's degree, online application, transcripts and resume and application fee. Great, thank you. Okay, Zaida, I've got one more question for you. Sure. Um, can you explain what social determinants of health are and how they fit into this program? Sure, well, I'm most familiar with the um, social determinants of health through the uh, individual's immigration status. And so, you know, that's something that we discuss uh, in the that is discussed in the health justice certificate program. And even in the book, you know, there's a couple chapters about how to work with individuals who are undocumented or, or um, and also what, you know, what can individuals who are undocumented do um, to obtain access to the healthcare system. And, um, you know, we also talked about through, we had a couple podcasts that we recorded about this topic and just learning about what public benefits individuals who are undocumented are, have access to, right? And, and so um, that's another, I think, barrier, right? And in, in, um, immigrants accessing the healthcare system is cost and, you know, being afraid of like, how much is this going to cost me? Am I going to be able to go? And so then, um, you know, there are times where people will won't go to the doctor until it's unfortunately too late or they're um, in a place where they're, it's just really dire, right? And there it's life or death situation instead of going to get um, preventive care, right? Because they're afraid and they're not sure that, you know, they're going to get any coverage and how they're going to pay for this. Um, and, and also we talk about in the um, in the class or in the book, it, we also talk about language barriers, right? What can you do when someone is, um, you know, doesn't speak English and like they do want to access the healthcare system, like how to best serve uh, that population. Um, and so I think this is really important part of, of the certificate program and learning how to deal and work, well not deal, but work with different populations and how to treat them properly um, with respect, right? In the in a language, hopefully, and in a way that they understand. And we also talk a lot about cultural norms and what that looks like and how that might affect, um, you know, care and um, even talking to the doctor themselves. And so, um, and another aspect that we go into in the class is domestic violence and how how we can issue spot or how we can what we can do. Um, through the medical legal partnership to address that right if there is that situation going on with with a patient client. And so uh, that's kind of my familiarity. So I don't know, Professor Rooks, if you want to talk a little bit more about um, in the health context, what that kind of looks like as well. Sure. So in the medical legal partnership uh, framework, we talk about the acronym is I help. So the I stands for income. Um, what uh, public benefits are available like social security, disability, food stamps, uh, utility assistance. Um, then the H is for housing. So landlord tenant issues, um, mold, rodents, um, flooding, uh, getting a safe place to discharge um, 
after a hospital stay. The E is for um, education and employment. It's two sides of the same coin, education for uh, kiddos and employment for adults, and really helping make that transition, especially for kiddos who are um, special needs and have resources as um, you know, a, a pediatric patient, and then how do we transition them into the adult care world and uh, help support them from education to employment? Um, those are things like IEPs, um, trying to make um, accommodations uh, in the workplace, uh, and just generalized uh, planning. So then we get to the L, which is legal status that Zyda has um has such a depth of knowledge about for immigration, but we also talk about legal status for veterans and being uh, discharged from the military and making that transition into civilian life, but still accessing care through uh, the Veterans Administration. And finally, the P is for protection. So that is guardianships, again, both for the young and the old. Um, some, uh, one of the really sad chapters in the book is talking about estate planning and uh, planning for cancer patients and how are they going to uh, sometimes set up trusts or uh, kind of a custody arrangement for children if they're if the parent is terminally ill. So we go through quite a lot beyond um, kind of what we've all come to know as the basic social determinants of health. We kind of expand and go into these uh, really uh, specialized areas. Um, but we've got great people on the advisory board to help us take that deep dive like Zyda. Uh, we also have Kathy Jensen, who's a attorney in Spokane. She does um, education and family law and she's a member of the Kalispell tribe of, tribe of Indians. So she does a lot with tribal law. Uh, Dr. Andrea Chatburn is a palliative care doctor and a uh, physician ethicist. So she gets into a lot of these gray areas between medicine and law. Uh, and then we have uh, Brianna Gehring, who is a compliance manager with Providence. And she really helps us take all of our ideas and package them into deliverables for students. And she's wonderful with that compliance background as well. So we have a great, great team, and we're very excited to uh, present that to the students and be there to help support the students. That sounds like a, a wealth of knowledge and uh, super bored. That's great to hear about. So uh, we have a couple questions from the audience here. Uh, the first one asks to explain, how can this program help people get medical care without afraid being afraid? of being deported. So education is key. Getting the word out that these are medical legal partnerships, first of all, are at no cost to the patient. They are funded either by grants um, or other types of uh, funding through the hospital or through the Legal Aid Foundation. And we should probably clarify that this is for only for civil legal needs. There's no criminal representation here. That's what uh, public defenders are for. So getting that awareness out there to the immigrant communities that this is a free service, that they're not gonna be turned into uh, the government 
And again, that's one of the things that Zyda has so much experience with in getting the word out through um, the different legal clinics that she has put on um, all across the country, Washington, New Jersey, New York, um, and has that experience in reaching people who sometimes don't want to be found. And I don't know, Zyda, do you want to talk more about your experience doing that? It's fascinating to me. Right. Yes. I mean, I think that um, in our work, we try to figure out what the best way to reach a lot of people um, with the least amount of resources as we're, you know, nonprofit organizations at times and legal clinics are a great way uh, to do that and, and doing know your rights presentations um, and explaining to people and educating them about their rights, you know, their responsibilities, how, how the systems work. Um, and so, you know, I've been really fortunate. I'm really passionate about uh, social justice initiatives and access to justice initiatives and how to help people um, understand their, their rights or responsibilities and also how to access legal resources. Great. Thank you both. Okay, uh, one more question from the audience. Is it possible to take the course online? Yes, absolutely. The entire program is online. Um, additionally, it is asynchronous, which means that uh, we post the syllabus, we post the uh, assignments for the week, and then the, the deadlines for them. And then you can work on those assignments at three in the morning or three in the afternoon. Uh, we have some interest from international students that are 13 or 14 hours um, ahead of where we are here in the Pacific Northwest, um, but that's okay. That is the beauty of online learning and asynchronous learning is that you can get it done uh, whenever is convenient for you, as long as you uh, get it in by the deadline. So absolutely, we love online learning and University of Providence was really ahead of the game. When COVID hit, everyone had to make this transition to online learning, but University of Providence just kept marching along. It was something that they were always doing. And um, so we really didn't lose any time when we when COVID hit. So it's a great program and it's run uh, very well from the tech side. So absolutely, online learning is the best. Thank you, Tracy. Okay, as we're wrapping up, is there anything else we haven't covered that either of you would like to address? Um, I think we've hit on all of the high points. Um, I would just welcome any other questions from the audience. Uh, we're here to help. Um, if you have a specific legal question, um, we're happy to forward that on to an attorney because similar to the disclaimer about um, medical care, uh, we also can't dispense legal advice unless we're in an attorney-client relationship uh, with you, uh, which is, again, something you learn in this program. So um, feel free to ask us questions about the program, uh, or we can try and put you in touch with uh, an attorney if you do have a legal question. Is that any other? Absolutely, yes. We just invite all our community members, professionals, students, whoever, to learn more about the program and really, um, you know, go to the page on Providence and just learn more about the health justice certificate and how, um, what you can do with it and how it really help kind of help with different aspects of, of your work. So thank you again for the invitation, Mary Kate. Yes, of course. 
So you can learn more about University of Providence programs at uprovidence.edu on the website uh, Tracy and Zyda mentioned. Um, so thanks again, Zyda and Tracy, for joining us today and to everyone for listening and sending in your questions. You can learn more about Providence initiatives, programs, services, ways to give, or you can look for medical help or advice by visiting providence.org. And you can make sure to follow us on social media at Providence on Twitter and at Providence Health System on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Once again, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you.